You're listening to Spoken Bride, a podcast for Catholic brides and newlyweds chasing authentic love and divine romance. I'm your host, Andy Compton. Hi there, and thank you so much for joining me at Spoken Bride, a podcast inviting Catholic brides and newlyweds into the sacred and the real. I'm your host, Andy Compton. Do you suffer well together? It's kind of a disarming question, at least in American culture, because we tend to push away suffering and focus only on the positive. But suffering is is very much a part of our lives. God allows us to experience suffering to perfect us in love and to strip us of all our lesser attachments and to desire him more. As Catholics, when we exchange consent and the right of marriage, we publicly promise to be faithful in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, for better, worse, richer, poorer. And those bad times, those sick times, and those poor times really can come to you during the course of your marriage, even even when you're newlywed. And it's easy to love during the good times, but it's the rough times that can really bring out vulnerability. You see sides of each other that no one else has ever seen, and it really creates an intimacy that can bond you together. So if you haven't already guessed, we'll be talking about suffering together with my guest, Mariah Maza. She's a 20-something wife, married to her husband for almost three years, and a new mom to her eight-month-old daughter. She and her husband were born and raised in Arizona, but recently moved to the Colorado Springs area to be near her husband's duty station, where he's stationed in the Army. She's a work-from-home, stay-at-home mom, and the lead editor for She Might, an online community and resource hub for women facing unplanned pregnancy. She's also the features editor for Spoken Bride, and she's been on our team for two years. So Mariah edits all the wedding all the wedding features that you see on Wednesdays, um, that you'll see on the blog and on, on Instagram. And she's written some original pieces for us as well. She loves good books, antique stores, thrifting for vintage clothing, and brewing her own cold brew. So today we are talking about the most popular piece she has written for Spoken Bride, Do You Suffer Well Together? Thank you so much for chatting with me, Mariah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this really important topic. Yay. Okay, let's dive in. I want to start at the beginning. So how did you and your husband first meet? Uh, That was August of 2010, which is crazy because that was 10 years ago now. Uh, (laughs) We met in seventh hour English class on the first day of high school. We were both 14 years old. Um, After that, we started talking every day after school because we had 30 minutes before I was picked up by my mom and he had 30 minutes before he had to go to football practice. So eventually he asked me out and I told myself I didn't want a boyfriend because boys were too much drama at 14 years old. Um, But he was cute and he carried my instrument for me every day after school. Uh, He was the football jock dating the marching band geek. So we were basically a Taylor Swift song. (laughs) And our fun fact is the girl who introduced us was actually named Mariah too. So that was it. That was cool. So have you guys always suffered well together? You guys have been, been together for so long. Or if if you didn't always suffer well together, how did you guys learn? So it's been a long, patient, refining process. I know it's a bit odd to say, but suffering has in our relationship since Justin and I 10 years ago. And I say that partially because meeting your future husband when you're 14 years old and having to grow up and mature together through your teenage years um, is kind of its own suffering. And it's a true test of patience of time with each other. So 
I can honestly say, and this is kind of strange, that we knew we were going to get married a year after we met. And I know when you're 15, <laughs> you usually don't know, you know, this is the guy I'm going to marry. But somehow we knew. But of course, we didn't walk the aisle, walk down the aisle until over seven years later. Wow. So another uh, unique element of suffering that was present in a relationship from the beginning was that Justin was a Southern Baptist. And when I met him, I had such a deep admiration for how much he loved the Lord and he knew scripture and he loved scripture and he knew it was important to be active at his church and on mission trips. And yet there was still this deep, deep pain um, present in my heart, just knowing that I couldn't share my Catholic faith with the boy I loved. And that was just so important to me. Mm -hmm. And then after high school, we ended up being long distance for four years because we decided to go to different colleges two years apart or not two years, two hours apart. Um, I, wow. I know that's not like crazy distant when it comes to long distance relationships, but I only saw him once or twice a month for all of college. So that's three and a half, four years. So that was a really difficult stage of our relationship as well. Uh, yeah. When we finally got engaged, that was June 2016. Our college timelines forced us to have an 18 month engagement, which was much longer than the nine months I had been thinking in my head because the Diocese of Phoenix requires nine months of marriage prep. Um, so in a way, I was really devastated that marriage to this man was still a year and a half out even after getting engaged, but it was amazing to know we were finally actively planning our wedding. And so those were kind of all the challenges we faced even before we were married. And somehow we still never really learned how to suffer well together. In a way, we were kind of stuck in this immature teenage habit of being defensive and turning inward when we face challenges. And I do speak mostly for myself here. I distinctly remember, you know, needing to grow in that. And we still needed the graces of the marriage sacrament to definitely refine our love and our willingness to sacrifice for the other, which is one of the ultimate challenges of marriage. And what about after you guys were married? So after we got married, uh, the story continues. So I was so excited to finally walk down the aisle and marry this man, love of my life. And then I wasn't expecting a bout of depression actually to hit me in the first six months after our wedding day. So, and I wrote an article for Spoken Bright on this experience too, that we can link in the show notes if you want to read about that. Um, I wasn't depressed because I'd got married because I was so happy to be married, but graduating college, getting married three weeks later, and moving away from friends and family for the first time just days after our wedding was a lot to handle all at once. And my personal temperament doesn't really deal well with change, much less so much of it all at the same time. And we definitely weren't prepared to navigate mental health issues in a brand new marriage and that level of suffering as well. Then about a year and a half after we got married, Justin was about to finish his engineering degree and he was about to be commissioned as an officer in the army after going through years of the ROTC army program. So he was getting ready to be commissioned as a second lieutenant. Uh, I'd, I'd mm -hmm. spent a lot of time preparing for his graduation and mentally preparing myself to become an officer's wife. It was the long-term plan for our family. It was how we were going to make our livelihood. And then all of a sudden, all of that changed. So we didn't realize it, but my husband's academic advisor had made a couple mistakes in his four-year plan towards his engineering degree. And a couple credits were actually still missing from his major map by the end of his four years in school. And his ROTC scholarship only covers those four years. So he went over by a couple semesters 
finishing up those extra credits that were missed. And we thought, okay, this is fine. This took longer than expected, but we're still so excited to move forward with our lives, for you to graduate, for you to be an officer. And then suddenly uh, everything fell apart. Uh, He was disenrolled from ROTC because of what they called a breach of contract since he had gone beyond four years, even though he'd been told, oh, it's okay, you'll be fine. It doesn't matter. Uh, He wasn't able to graduate with his degree, even though he'd completed every credit. All of a sudden, all this unexpected debt was hanging over our heads when his scholarship was taken away. And all of a sudden, becoming an officer in the Army, which he was fully trained to do, was no longer a reality. So basically, everything my husband had worked for for five long years for our family was taken away, basically one by one, dragged out over this long period of time. So, wow. yeah, it wasn't fair, uh, but it was our reality. And as a newlywed couple, it hit us really, really hard. So it definitely hit my husband, who desired so much just to be a good provider and a hard worker for our family. It hit him especially hard. And we really didn't know how to deal with it. And then... <laughs> That was when we found out we were pregnant for, <laughs> for the first wow. time. Yes. So we were really, really excited, but we were also totally unsure of what the heck we were going to do um, since our income and his career that we'd planned for was suddenly, suddenly gone. I had worked a few odd jobs to bring in side income while my husband was in school, but now there was no plan for our future and we had a baby on the way. Uh, So we moved back to our hometown to be with family. And because we didn't know what was happening next, we actually moved in to my in-law's basement and they housed us for seven months. God bless them and their generosity and their just kindness to stand with us during this time. So the next nine months, um, looking back, were some of the hardest of my life. Um, It was like being stuck in limbo. I was watching my husband fall deeper and deeper into this hole of despair after watching everything be ripped from him. And I, with all my pregnancy hormones and this inability to know how to reach him and suffer together, basically, I was going insane. This time, um, I was also looking for jobs and having all these interviews. And for some reason, I wasn't getting any job. Um, He was trying to look for jobs, but he was also on hold with the army. So there was nothing he could do long term. And it felt like his degree was being held hostage, basically. So, yeah, we weren't suffering together. We were both isolated, afraid. And to be honest, it was driving us uh, further and further apart. So... As we're trying to navigate this from my in-law's basement, me being pregnant, not sure what's going on, uh, the Army reached out, I think a year ago in December, asking him to enlist and go active duty instead of being an officer. And while we were happy that now we had a future for us, suddenly we weren't sure if he was going to be there for the birth of his daughter. And that hit me especially hard. And I just remember... Like, we've gone through so much. Everything's been taken from us. We can't find jobs. We're living in my in-law's basement. I'm so glad that, you know, he has a sort of direction going for him. But I don't know if I can handle you now being gone for the birth of our daughter. So it was just the next round of something. And we still weren't sure how to navigate it together. And I remember we finally got news again from the Army um, that he would have a date that was past my due date where he would be called to go to boot camp. And we were sitting together on the couch and finally able to 
just kind of look at each other and hug each other. And for the first time in probably, probably a year, it was like we were able to finally connect and bridge that gap. And in like all of this moments of suffering, um, there was finally a moment of joy, uh, even though we knew that he would be here for the birth, but a couple of weeks later, he would have to leave for boot camp. And it's interesting that he was here for the birth of our daughter, and then he was here for two weeks after that. And those two weeks were filled with a very profound grief, knowing that he was about to leave and I was about to navigate new motherhood in the postpartum period without my husband for the next six months. But there was more joy in those two weeks after we had started to learn how to suffer together than the past probably year and a half of our marriage where we had tried to like save ourselves and, and find joy in isolation. And then while he was gone for those six months, even though we were separated by thousands of miles, he wrote me every single day from boot camp. So I was receiving all these letters and writing him back about the baby and sending pictures. And it was our marriage had never thrived more, which was so ironic because we were in this period of such suffering and desolation and being apart. And I'm trying to figure out how to be a mom for the first time. But we were united and we were almost joyful during this time. So now uh, he's back from boot camp. Our daughter's eight months old. We've moved to Colorado to be near his duty station. Um, he's thriving in his job. He's already been promoted. I got hired to my dream job uh, in January, being an editor for a digital magazine. And we're living as, you know, three of us as a family in our beautiful townhouse. So it's kind of a crazy story from start to finish. Um, but, and for so much of it, we, didn't know how to suffer well together, but here we are. And the Lord brought us through. Wow. What a gift of the Holy spirit that you would have that grace during those, those two like really cru crucial weeks after, after giving birth that you would have that, that joy and peace amongst that grief. Mm -hmm. Yes. It was something that I knew looking back. I mean, in the time I felt like I was in this blurry time of grief and, postpartum hormones and just trying to spend as much time as possible with my husband and my daughter. But it was truly actually some of the most beautiful weeks of my life. Wow. So now that you've gone through this, how can we, like, how can we like give something practical to the couples that are listening? What, what's one way that they can practice vulnerability during suffering? If like, if they're not used to letting someone in, cause it's really different letting in your spouse versus say your parents. Yes. So especially in a marriage, I've learned that different people deal with suffering differently. So if you're married and you've married someone who deals with suffering much differently than you, or if you're engaged to someone who deals with suffering much differently than you, then the grounds for possible conflict and hurt have really already been laid if you don't know how you're going to handle those situations. So something I recommend is when you're engaged or as a newlywed couple, just have an honest conversation with each other and ask your spouse or your fiance, when you encounter suffering, how do you respond? So maybe your natural response is to talk about your problems. You want to cry and you want to be held, you know, in the embrace of a loved one or your beloved. And maybe your fiance or your husband says, he prefers to distance himself when he's upset. He'd rather think about, process his problems alone, and he's not really one to express or talk about his negative emotions. 
So you have two different responses to suffering in the same marriage or in the same engagement. And neither of these responses are wrong. That's just your human personalities, but they can clash when you come to difficult moments. So basically try to have a game plan for how you're going to respect each other's personalities and needs while also keeping communication open. And this is definitely something that you're going to refine and a virtue you're going to grow in for the rest of your marriage. This isn't like, you know, you talk about this during engagement and figure it out and then you're set. Like you're going to spend the rest of your life learning how to suffer well together. But basically, once you've asked, when you encounter suffering, you know, how do you respond? Your next question should be, so when crosses enter our marriage, how are we going to face them together? So if you're someone who wants to talk about a trial in your marriage, um, to cry, to process it, ask your husband or your fiance to be willing to commit to giving you that time. And if he's someone who would rather have his space, for example, then commit to giving him a time frame he can be by himself and think, but then also commit to reopening the conversation together and keeping that communication open. The really hard part of this is that suffering together requires sacrifice and understanding of your spouse, your fiance, even if you're already in the midst of pain. So that's what makes this such a difficult and virtuous thing to learn in marriage. So, but I can tell you after going through our own share of crosses together with my husband, that when you learn how to face suffering together, there is nothing like the feeling of facing a trial as a team instead of as two individual people, because suffering in isolation in a marriage is one of the loneliest things I've ever been through. So learn how to face your crosses as a team and carry your crosses uh, with the Lord as a team instead of letting it become a source of conflict and loneliness. Because when husband and wife suffer well together, you're actually going to grow closer because of the pain instead of being driven apart. And I can say that's true for me and my husband. We've been through a lot in a short amount of time. We're not even three years married yet, but we've grown closer uh, just navigating everything that we've navigated together already. And there'll be things thrown at us in the future, but with the Lord, we can we can navigate that too and get better at knowing how to face them together. Absolutely. The first two years of our marriage were just laden with all these sufferings. We never expected that we're, we could have never seen, foreseen that happening, but just with um, like having a really rough pregnancy and then having uh, moving away from family and then parents moving away and then postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, and we didn't know what those things were. And yeah, it's amazing the growth and the maturity that came out of that. Cause we were also married young. I was what, 21 when we got Same. married? <laughs> and I do think that, I do think that the suffering together also helps like mature you both together where you're not growing separately anymore. You know what I mean? Cause even while you're engaged, you're still really mm -hmm. two separate people. But there's this unity that comes with, like, not just through the sacrament, but through the suffering and the trials that you're going to face in your marriage that just matures you guys. It's so interesting because I used to think to myself in like my darkest moments after getting married, like, gosh, if I had known the crosses that are going to be thrown at us so quickly, <laughs> would I have stood at that altar still and, you know, said my vows? And I think that's one of the profound miracles of marriage and the sacrament is that you stand at the altar and you willingly give your free consent and say, yes, I'm with you through the good and bad, the ups and the downs, without ever knowing 
the trials that are going to come either immediately after you're married or years down the road. And I think a lot of us, if we knew it was coming, would be like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. But there's something about the graces, especially on your wedding day, that just allow you to say your vows and the graces just continue. And if you're willing to accept them, they'll carry you through the craziest moments. So I can say it's true, 100%. Absolutely. And I think it's also important to note, I know that it's popular right now to write your own vows, but I think there's some beautiful wisdom in the church making us publicly promise to be with each other and all the bad things and listening them out. And I've, and I've heard couples give beautiful vows to each other, but they generally tend to focus mm-hmm. on the positive. Like, oh, I love this about you and I love this and I'll be true to you. And I'm like, oh, it's like, it's missing. And it's, I love that the church and her wisdom like makes us take these vows that state publicly. Yeah. That I'm going to stick with you in po- like if we're poor. Yes. Because that's hard. Our society tells yes. us to bail. It's, it's actually truly beautiful um, saying the vows that the church has written for us in front of so many witnesses. And it's great accountability because I think to myself, I spoke these vows in front of 200 of my closest friends and family. So not only am I being true to my husband, um, whom I'm now bound to through the sacrament, but I need to be a witness to the sacrament of marriage to these 200 people who witnessed it, a lot of whom weren't Catholic. So there's more than just, you know, my relationship with my husband writing on this. If they know we've been through a lot and we've made it, then that's its own witness in and of itself to all the guests at our wedding as well. Yes. All right. I'm going to move on to my final (laughs) question for every guest. What do you hope to be the patron? Okay. So this is actually a surprisingly easy question for me. I want to be the patron saint of bookishness or people who just love reading and books and all the life habits attached to that. So all things pen and paper, dressing, what I call librarian chic, which is my name for my wardrobe (laughs) style, and anyone who's generally an old soul. So I'm not totally sure how a bookish life helps you grow in virtue and sanctity, but I'm figuring it out, and it's really fun. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much to all of all of our listeners for being here with us today. And a big thank you to Mariah for sharing her story and insights on suffering. I'm so glad that we were able to chat. Um, we actually had tons of spiritual attacks. And this recording was really hard to nail down. But we've been praying to um, the church's new blessed, Blessed Carla Cutis. And through his intercession, God be praised. Thank it you, happened. Blessed Carlo. <laughs> <laughs> The last thing, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. Spoken Bright is growing in all kinds of ways that we couldn't have even dreamed up when we launched back in 2016. I'd love for you to be the first to know about the amazing projects we've got in the work, to, works to help keep Christ at the center of your engagement in marriage. Bye. God bless you.